Hey, Sid. Hey, Brayon. What's your update this week? I I feel like I, I'm not like doing this to be like, it's not an update. It's an I'm sticking with it. <laughs> just, it sounds that way. But it is an update because it's something I am sticking with. I love it. <laughs> so just for clarification, um, that thing that I'm sticking with is the Nike Plus app. And I we did that 20-minute like like the workout hit, hit thing. workout yep we did that what feels like so long ago now um and we talked about the nike plus app then and i still am like a huge proponent of it mm-hmm. i've been using it consistently and pairing it with my um 20 minute cardio and i honestly like i usually focus on the abs and arms and i'm feeling stronger than ever feeling really good feeling like I'm doing high rep, low weight. So you're doing abs and arms on Nike Plus. Yes. So like they have a bunch of different, um, you can like sort by muscle group or you can sort by like style of workout. And because my knee is a little wonky, I focus on like abs and arms for weightlifting. And then I do my cardio to like make sure my knee doesn't fall off. And it has been, I just feel like I've done it super consistently. And the ones that are rep-based versus time-based, I'm like pushing myself to like beat my last time in an appropriate way, obviously. But it's just been, I feel like I've been using it consistently for like probably the last nine months or so. Oh, wow. And it's, it's just felt like my go-to, I still feel like it's challenging. It doesn't feel like I'm like, um, taking like an easy pass on my workouts, it still feels like I'm pushing myself in the way that I want to be pushing myself. So I am sticking with the Nike Plus app. It's still doing what I wanted it to do originally, and that feels good. Get fit. Yeah, doing it. I love it. I'm definitely a uh, like occasional swapping out a morning workout with more of a like abs, arms, weight. Mm-hmm. vibe and feeling just as satisfied by that than mm-hmm. as much as I do a cardio. Yeah. But the cardio, I like the heart rate. Yeah. And it, like when like you I'm, stop, you're like, like breathing heavy, your heart's beating out of your chest and you're like, that felt like I did a thing. And that's why I actually like with the workouts that I do with Nike plus, if I'm pushing myself, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think it, for me, it was easy at certain points to be like, kind of like lazily going through the motions. You're like, Bicep curl, bicep curl. <laughs> With like zero weight and knowing that I could do more. But now that I'm like holding myself accountable and then having the tool in place to like have the right thing to be doing, that has been super helpful. So I've been enjoying it. And I, I feel like it's like new again for some reason, even though it's not new at all for me. It just feels like I refound it in the best way. Love it. Yeah. What is your update this week? So as we know, it's officially fall claws out. Claws out. Claws out. Closet clean (laughs) out. Let's do that. Let's call it a claws out. (laughs) Uh, So I feel like every year when this happens, I'm like, let's get rid of the old stuff, refresh some sweaters. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's also a a stage, and we've talked about this before, where like at a certain point, you have things for like five plus years. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. <laughs> no. uh, and and then you realize like it's time for you to go. Like <laughs> I love you as a as a sweater as or as, as 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 an item in my closet, but you have to go. 
I have a hard time making that call every, and every time. <laughs> so so it's a little bit of like a clean out to bring in. Mm-hmm. And there have been some statement pieces that I've purchased that I uh, chose or and or opted in as investment pieces. Love. So it's a smidge of a budget hit. But as I've mentioned before, I think the idea of taking away a few items and replacing it with one really solid item that will yeah. last forever is... Uh, the ideal. It and is. So, so that's the method I've been going with. And I think um, just to take the time to to like think about the things that you really feel good wearing mm-hmm. and like setting free, being like, thanks for the journey we've had. It, I'm t- it's time to upgrade. <laughs> well, and what I like about the investment piece too, when you say goodbye to the thing that you like loved and was cozy and was like everything you needed to be at the time and then you go for that next, like, what am I sliding in as I'm sliding something else out? I like doing that math because I found that that was helpful in letting me um, kind of justify the purchase. So doing cost per wear and, like, how long you have the piece mm-hmm. and knowing that, like, you're saving money essentially because you're not replacing it. Not even nearly as often, but, like, in some cases you're not replacing it, period, Yeah. depending on what it is. But I've found that that to kind of be almost like a reconciliation of the purchase, which not to, like, make yourself feel better, but to really tell yourself, like, this is this is truly, like, a thing that I'm going to need. It was a good purchase. It will last me this many years, and it will, like, save me this much money at the end of the day from not having to buy replacement items. So. Oh, for sure. And if it's a classic item, like something mm-hmm. that you can mix and match with other things and layer, it ends up having even more value because um, I think one of the things I've been super conscious of is like not buying just like crappy materials Yeah, where it's like, I'm going to buy the wool sweater mm-hmm. and like the cashmere sweater because those things will make me feel good well and a lot more brands are coming up with ways to make that stuff more affordable too it's not mm-hmm. like skimping on quality but it is making it more affordable like everlane and quiana i think both have recycled cashmere Love that they offer quiana. yeah and now they're offering that at like a, a a decent price from what i understand um and it's that kind of stuff that you're like maybe i can't afford like full-on cashmere but i can i can afford recycled cashmere and like that feels just as good and it's not like it's going to fall apart tomorrow so it's doing your homework too and figuring out where can I get the good stuff maybe at a little bit less of a hit to the wallet for sure well I like what you're doing and I can't wait to see all your new clothes (laughs) so many great things my favorite thing (laughs) sweater season yes it's time all right give it to me straight said what are we talking today well we had the great opportunity you and I (laughs) We did. <laughs> we did I together. was there. You were there. Uh, and I thought that was super fun. We had an opportunity to guest teach in our friend Rebecca's public speaking class. And we were, she was so generous and let us have like kind of free range of what we wanted to talk about as long as it like lived within the capacity of public speaking, which makes sense. Um, but she was super nice and she's like, you guys are doing a great job with Queen Speaking. I'd love to have you talk to my students about um, something that might be an unknown in the world of podcasting or how you can come up with something that would kind of lend itself well to the public speaking space. And so we did a little brainstorming and this was your idea, but I, and I loved it. So I was like, let's do that. Let's run with that. But one of the things that 
we've learned in our professional life, I'd say, is that the skills that you learn in a public speaking class can definitely be applied in many other areas that don't look like you standing up in front of a room or a concert hall or like those like typical public speaking events. Yeah, like standing at a podium. Yes. It's actually very rare for you to be like on stage in an auditorium and speaking in front of a hundred person plus room. Right. Or even like like if you're preparing like a speech for a wedding that you have to do like that doesn't happen every day. But the things that do happen every day, like for us it's phone calls and video calls or like leading a meeting or having one on one conversations with certain types of people. Like those things do happen every day. And there is a place for public speaking like tips in those spaces. So we kind of took that route with it of saying this is the way you use what you're learning in here in other places that will be like become very <laughs> well known to you as you get into your college life and into your um, professional life. So that's what we're talking about today is how you use some of those public speaking skills in like not necessarily your typical public speaking arena. Well, let's get into it. Let's do that. Let's uh, let's talk about what we're talking about. Today. <laughs> Um. so uh the four takeaways i think that we kind of tackled as far as like what makes sense for you to consider is like how are you actually using the skills that you currently have Mm -hmm. what are your strengths Mm -hmm. uh make sure that you're preparing and practicing using and acknowledging your strengths like i just said (laughs) And body language, it's important. Even in, I think that for me, like as we were preparing this, the reminder of how important body language is when you're in these certain circumstances is a good reminder to have because you're sitting there being like, oh, like how am I when I'm on a video call? Or what does my voice sound like when I'm on the phone and no one can actually see like the look on my face? What is my voice saying? And do they think I'm upbeat? Do they think I'm like, a pain in the butt like what's <laughs> what's the takeaway there so the body language thing um was a fun one to kind of dig into because I think and you know they were great students and they had some fun comments and they were really participatory at the end when we did our activity um but I could tell like at some points they were like oh yeah that actually makes sense and like seeing the acknowledgement was like really gratifying <laughs> for me honestly the the thing that I loved most about people coming in and sharing their experiences when I was in college was like, tell me what real life is like, because mm-hmm. I know that the classroom is not real. Right, right. And so to have some real world experience, I think is really helpful because like the reality is public speaking is friggin' scary mm-hmm. and a lot of people are afraid of it. And there there's a lot of scenarios in which it's like literally everyone's biggest fear. Right. But like no matter what, as we talked about in like introing the topic, it comes up in so many other ways where you're going to have to like be the person leading something at some point in your life and what can you do to prepare yourself for that scenario. Mm-hmm. So thinking about leading team meetings, speaking to clients on a video conference call, teaching a class like Sid and I did, um, delivering tough news or having a, a moment where you have to sit down and give someone feedback. like Knowing how to handle those situations and being able to communicate appropriately is super important. Yeah. And even thinking about how important it is for phone conversations, it's things that we do all the time. But like also in the world that we live in, especially thinking about people who are younger and like coming up in the world, phone 
conversations and phone messages are actually less frequent than it was when we were growing up, where Mm -hmm. it was like, I had to call my friend on the phone and be like, hey, do you want to come over and play? Right. Where, like, now it's, like, texting and IMing. Yeah. Obviously, it still was that when we were kids, but, like... Not nearly as much. Like, how do we transition and teach people, like, what's an appropriate voicemail to leave Right. Are do have you learned that? Well, and like so many, so we had the gamut from freshmen, and we had one senior, but it was mostly freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. And a lot of those students are going to be starting internships, either already have done them or will do them very soon. And I would imagine like the folks in the room will need these skills because the people that they're going to be working with will still expect them to be able to have the skill set to like make appropriate phone calls. And um, at some point they might have to do like a mini presentation to their team about what the internship was and having these skills kind of in their back pocket will hopefully, and realizing that they do matter just as much on the phone as they do in front of a big group of people, I think is, is kind of like a mind pop in my mind. And even thinking like going back into the archives of my brain, and my my world experience. <laughs> Vast I, world experience. Right out of college, like a year out of college, I was put in many scenarios, because of the work that I was doing, I was put in several scenarios where I was speaking in front of executives and mm-hmm. like higher up people. You're so right. And I forgot about that. Like in back in the day, it was just, I definitely relied on my manager to give me like tips and like hey, can you review this deck with me? But like just the act of standing up there and presenting on a topic that a lot of them didn't really have any prior knowledge about right. is like insane to think about. That's exactly what I was thinking because I was like their resident social media expert when I knew nothing about social media. I just knew that I used it <laughs> and that's all they knew as well. So like doing these presentations to the leadership saying like, this is how we like have an online presence from the social media perspective. I'm like walking away from that table being like, what the heck did I just <laughs> say? And do they believe me? <laughs> do I still have a job? You're like, how'd that go? Yeah. Um, I think I have uh, another scenario that I think is really helpful to consider too when it comes to like how these skills translate really well. Is like, at this point, I have like 10-ish years out of college and thinking about that and saying it out loud is a little bit like whoa i was like yeah so so this 2020 will be 10 years 10 years for for me for in you. particular not for me <laughs> <laughs> i was like wait what not me too <laughs> uh so nearly almost <laughs> but uh a wow <laughs> <laughs> take a beat to take that in <laughs> b the job that i had uh recently <laughs> most recently i spoke a lot in front of large rooms Mm -hmm. where like I actually was the anomaly and like the scenario I was in I was standing in in front of people and explaining explaining topics regularly (laughs) and so to get comfortable in that space obviously with lots of practice that's awesome but translating those skills to the job I have now where a lot of the conversations are more intimate Mm -hmm. or face-to-face on video calls and like thinking about how that changes the interaction you're having and how you want to present yourself and how you want to prepare for those situations. There's so many things that come to play that like, I feel like I'm a little bit still in the case of like relearning how to approach these things because it just has a different, um, there's just a different social etiquette 
that comes along with it and just sure. different preparation mode um, and making sure that is especially like in a room with people where you're talking about things collectively, making sure that everyone feels heard, mm -hmm. especially having conversations like so much more commonly people are on distributed teams or working remotely where you're all calling in from different places and want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to speak up or respond to questions or ask questions. Right. And having a chance, like especially being the person leading that kind of call, like kind of keeping an eye, it, it requires a little bit more effort to right. like pay attention to what's happening in those situations. You're speaking while also like you're being aware of all the faces and what the faces are doing or if they're like is a natural break where something needs to happen. Your brain is doing like six different things at once, which can be a lot to manage if you're not used to it or if you're brand new to it. Yeah. And it's so much easier to accidentally interrupt people in those situations or 100%. talk over people or accidentally start talking on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. <laughs> so um, I think just thinking about framing and what you're what you actually look like in that situation like being on stage and being aware of how, your presence and your body like what we talked about is like taking away the body language tips like that applies too mm -hmm. in these types of scenarios because you're either like on a video call in a giant conference room and like seeing tiny little heads or you're literally face to face <laughs> like closer than you would be standing that's like so uncomfortable to think about honestly because a close talker is my actual nightmare come to life and it happens far more often than it should like people give people space back up but you're right like when you're on a video call you're like really in front of it's literally the your camera head. and I'm like very uncomfortable with that just thinking about how close that and like what's on my face and what's my face doing and like can they see like the sheen that happens midway through the day and preparing for that it's <laughs> a lot it is a lot <laughs> um one thing that comes to mind that I shared last night was I had to get much better at the phone very quickly. And I didn't have a job that had me in front of people all that often, honestly, like giving presentations or anything. But you know, I love the speech. I have been tapped to give many a speech for many a person at a wedding, and I really enjoy it. Um, I feel very prepared to do it all the time. But not knowing how to translate all of that skill set to the phone was like a real 180 for me because I then had to say, okay, email is not my primary like use of communication with the job that I have right now. It has to be phone, at least to start, it has to be phone. And then realizing what kind of etiquette is necessary on the phone between like how you leave a message, how you're talking and realizing like upspeak can be really common and something that you fall into very quickly and I'm like now very conscious of if I'm doing it <laughs> you're not I'm not okay good um and the other thing is how I guess I should say when you're smiling while you talk which I'm not right now but you can definitely hear the difference when I do because I just sound happier and I sound a like a little bit fake just <laughs> 
a little bit fake, but the way it comes across on a call with like a client or a constituent is like, it makes all the difference sometimes. And even, and I, I told the story last night where like, I've been told I sound really flighty on the phone sometimes, but some people really enjoy that too. So then you're like, okay, it's a case by case, I guess. (laughs) Not like, you're like, I am who I am. Right. Like not a blanket, like always smile when you're on the phone. But utilizing the skills of, like, you're sitting up straight, you're smiling mm-hmm. while you talk, you um, are paying attention to what you're doing. Like, I think it's really easy when you're on the phone, if you're not the one talking, to get kind of sidetracked really yeah. quickly. So, but you, it's hard to come back from that because you, you, it's not really that cool to ask someone to repeat themselves because then they know you weren't paying attention. And whereas, like, if you're face-to-face with some someone, you can kind of come back from that. And so getting much more comfortable with the phone and then utilizing these skills um, in that space was something that I found super helpful. And last night, just going through them again, like preparing for something, um, trying to like look something up on the fly on your laptop while you're on the phone with someone, like, again, you've lost touch instead of having that stuff in front of you and being prepared right when you start the call. Like all of those things are just as important in a space like that as they are when you're up in front of a group giving a speech of some kind. So that brings us to preparing and practicing. So important. So important. I understand that it's common for people to feel nervous. Mm -hmm. It happens to me too, particularly when it's a new situation and it's totally normal. Um, I think one of the things that's helpful for me to think about is, and this came up actually for the first time, where it like leveled with me Mm -hmm. in one of my public speaking classes when I was in college myself. And to know that so many other people feel uncomfortable speaking kind of like made me feel a little bit more comfortable. Like you're not alone here. Mm -hmm. And so just like kind of take that and run with it. And so figuring out ways to channel your own energy and nervousness and using that to either prepare in advance or just like kind of get in the moment when you're doing the thing that's new and different and you're leading a a situation. That does help so much more than we give it credit for. Totally. Like leveling that and knowing you're not on an island and just reminding yourself like you're not special. There are a lot of people that feel this way. Yeah. Like lean into your what you know and like just do the thing. And honestly, it's like all about slowing down and Mm -hmm. figuring out what actually is making you nervous So so that you can take action on it. I think in so many instances we've talked about how valuable it is to write things down but actually to see on the page what are the things that you're concerned about you can see from there like oh that's just like i'm emotionally reacting to that and that's probably like i'm overthinking it or oh i'm feeling nervous because i haven't sat down and like thought about the content enough right let me write out an agenda and so taking action on a thing on the things that you can do to make yourself feel more prepared, I think is really helpful. And um, I'm always a proponent for taking 15 minutes or 30 minutes. This is something that I've started putting on my calendar because I was like in that transition of like, I'm now in a scenario where I lead meetings pretty regularly. So like, what's the agenda? Am I prepared? 
I don't like walking into scenarios on the fly. Mm -hmm. So what can I actively do to make myself feel more comfortable? And when I set that time aside, I feel much more comfortable in the scenario that I'm in. Um, And so I think that's important to remember as well. And particularly just the idea of making an outline. Script what you want to say. I personally feel like sometimes writing it out exactly how I want to say it commits it to memory it's like that note taking like it's it's I'm writing it down it's in a notepad right and now it exists in my brain for the rest of forever <laughs> totally normal <laughs> and you do a quick little run through of like how is this going to work out and then you revert back to like okay these are my key talking points these are the three things that I want to accomplish and if we leave the meeting having done this we're good. Right. And I think that's what, you know, having all of that in place, but then actually running through it is the part where we almost stop short sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we write everything out. We know what we want to say. We know like how we think it'll sound, but until we actually run it, you won't know. And so that piece is just as important as the preparing the outline piece and thinking like, because we've even done it here when we were like heavy outliners for when we were just getting started with the podcast. I think sometimes we didn't realize how things would come out because we didn't necessarily like need to practice before recording. Mm-hmm. But once we got in there, we're like, oh, okay, like now we understand how it sounds if you don't at least run it in your head first, at least run through it like how everything flows together. And so I'm a huge proponent of running it as many times as you possibly have to. I think when we did our presentation for Upstate Social in 2018, that was one of the things I was honestly most proud of is that we ran it so many times. Mm -hmm. And we ran it and like we both were committed to making sure we had it not even memorized, but just we knew the material. We knew what we wanted to say. We knew what our hands were doing. We knew what we wanted to like Um, make sure we emphasize at certain points. And so using that, and that was a big presentation. So committing something like that to like a phone call or a one-on-one meeting, I think about the times that I haven't, I've made an outline for like a one-on-one with um, like a community member or something like that, but haven't actually like ran it with my supervisor or run through it myself. And then I'm in that meeting and it just does not come out the way that I thought it was going to. And that's totally on me. Like that's something I could have completely avoided if I had just taken the time to run through it and practice it a few times. I also think asking like any questions that will help you be prepared, especially when it comes to like a phone or video call. I am neurotic when it comes to that prep stage of like, do we all know what time? Do we all know like who's calling who is such a, like those are the like most Mm -hmm. nitty gritty annoying things. But I am like, I will go back and forth with someone until someone's like, I will call you and what number is best for you and we have it all lined up because it like if one of you is sitting on the other end of the phone being like well they said they were going to call me or if that's not clear that's something that adds to your stress that can be completely avoided so it's like planning all of those things in advance as well like does everybody have the right call in information does everybody have like the pin number for the video call like these seemingly stupid little things so that important. save so much of a headache because then you're like why is that person person 15 minutes late for the call it's like oh because they never got the information who didn't send them the information 
conversation. And you can do all the prep in the world and practice on what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, and what it's going to sound like. But if those things aren't done, like then the thing you practice for doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. And, and if you're so like silly. signing in to a video call for the first time, but you don't know how to the video conference, like don't show up at the time that the meeting starts. <laughs> right. Give yourself an extra five to get settled in. There's nothing more annoying. Like I don't do this at this point in my career, but the like webinar stuff, like when I'm logging on to, like I'm not the one hosting. When I log on to a webinar that someone else is hosting, um, that you know, like many, like probably hundreds of people are getting onto it and they're late for it or they have a tech snafu. I'm like, that is unacceptable. <laughs> like that should not happen unless like something terrible happened. That that should not happen. So like that those are the little things that you can prepare in advance that don't have to be a hindrance to your performance in whatever space you're utilizing these skills. Um, so that's something I like to keep in mind. And then also just have the understanding that curveballs happen. You will not have every answer to every question that people will throw at you, but you can prepare a response if you, and I think that's a, that's a line that I sometimes get, it gets a little dicey for me because I want to be so prepared that I've gone down every single avenue and have had a response for every single question that I think I can come up with, which is impossible. Like there will always be someone that throws out the like most random freaking question that you're like, where did you even come up with that? But instead of letting it break you, just know it's probably going to happen and have a response set instead of letting it throw you off your game. The best thing you can do in those situations is say, I don't know, I'm happy to follow up with you after the call. And don't let that like make you feel like that's a fail because it's not a fail. It is a perfectly fine response. It doesn't make you look stupid. It doesn't make you look like you don't know what you're doing. If you've given a good talk or if you've led the meeting appropriately or if the call has been going just absolutely fine, one question that you couldn't answer is not going to make someone go like, oh, well, that person's incompetent. Like, right. <laughs> That will not happen. Um, but just know that there will be questions that might come up that you don't have an answer to. So be prepared for that that response that you have like in your back pocket. So yeah, um, we talk about strengths all the time, <laughs> all the time. Uh, and we're huge proponents of knowing what like your five top strengths are and all that good stuff, but also just utilizing it in this space and understanding that you bring something to the table that no one else does and identify those things. I think this can even like live in the prepare and practice place as well, but you can identify what you bring to the table, what makes you different, what like your skill set is that, that someone else might have, but they're not delivering in the way that you're delivering and like, let that, um, guide you a little bit. Don't try to be someone else in that in those moments know that you know the information but like don't try to regurgitate it as your boss or as your peer because that will come off as as fake Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it might even come off as unprepared because it sounds like you're just like repeating what has been committed to memory versus putting your own spin on it um yeah i think that's an important thing to keep in mind too because um a lot of times it's like, ooh, I'm doing this. I feel a little uncomfortable. But reminding yourself that like you're there for a reason and you're leading this thing or doing an activity or you know setting a meeting with someone because it's part of your job. You right. got to do it. 
and like thinking about yourself as the pro or the expert in that situation and knowing that you deliver the message the way that you deliver the message and kind of owning that right will make it a little bit easier to say like okay yes i want to like to lean on other people for their input or see how other people handle these situations. But how do you as an individual want to come across in those situations? Because in the end, you're the one that's going to say like, hey, can we set this meeting? Or like, hey, can we get the money for this thing? I want it. (laughs) Yeah. That's not how you ask, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. It might not work that well. (laughs) But it might. Who knows? (laughs) But when you're put in a situation where... uh, where you feel a little less confident, like giving yourself a little boost and being like, I'm here for a reason, I'm the expert, what can I do, prepare in advance, yeah. so that you come across as that strong, fully prepared individual. And like decision-making becomes such a core tenant of leadership, and I think that this would live in that space. Like You have to be a decision-maker, you have to decide that you are the expert, mm-hmm. you have to make a judgment call that you are prepared to do it, and like, making that call with a period versus a question mark will hopefully like set it on your heart and say like, I can do this period. (laughs) Not like making it a question that someone else needs to answer, like getting good at a judgment call, getting good at decision-making all lives in this space of also deciding that you have the ability to deliver the message. You Mm -hmm. have the ability to be the expert, but no one can do that work except for you. You can be empowered by people and that's awesome and you should be empowered by the people around you and the people that believe that you are the expert and you can do the work. But at the same time, if you're not getting it from certain people, you need to figure out how to get it yourself. Totally. And I think practice and preparation like, is a really good way to kind of have that be the decision maker judgment call with a period versus um, not doing any of those things and having it constantly be a question mark. So fully agree those are my feels uh i think considering your audience too in in the situations that you're in is really valuable because you would present yourself or present the information differently to a group of executives than you would a client than you would your teammates yeah and what is it the what is the information that they need to know to help you get your job done right and so thinking about uh who you're speaking to and what they're going to take away from the conversation or the discussion or the goal setting or however you're framing what's happening in the scenario that you're in, uh, thinking about them and what they need to help you get what you need. I think that's so important. And you're right. It's not necessarily like changing out yourself or your personality or like who you are as a person, but it could be changing out the message like an executive Um, is not going to need the nitty gritty the way that your team member is, even if you're delivering some of the same information. I think that's a really good um, takeaway point that you should tailor what you're talking about depending on who it is that's receiving it. Because I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in that, and I'm not an executive, but I don't need the nitty gritty. (laughs) I really don't. And I just need the high level, like, what are my action items? I'm going to walk away now with my action items. Like, I don't need to know how you got to the decision that you made. I just need to know what the decision was. (laughs) Tell me what the decision was. Right, right. And sometimes we forget that. And sometimes our nervousness makes us get into details that don't need to be shared. 100%. So I like that. I like that one a lot for that reason, because it helps us get better at all facets, too. It helps us be a better um, speaker 
again, in any facet that you are speaking, if you know how to tailor and edit yourself just as much as someone else could edit you. Precisely. I like that. And now to flip everything on its head, (laughs) the way that you deliver content matters more than your content. (laughs) (laughs) It really does, which is so like, it's hard to know that (laughs) because you're like, I work so hard on the content. But like, even thinking about what we're doing, right? If we delivered the content like flat or too quickly, like all of that delivery and like how we sound when we're delivering matters more than sometimes the content of what we're saying. Totally. Because if we're if our voices turn people off or people like hate the way that we speak, <laughs> then, <laughs> then we're kind of we're kind of SOL. <laughs> And it won't matter what we're saying. So that's, I mean, it, it sometimes like sucks to think of it that way, but it is, it's, that's the reality. I, I feel like the thing that ends up, that's still a thing that I am continually learning mm-hmm. and getting comfortable with is like taking a moment to just whew, take Maybe a beat. just breathe. <laughs> just like Sid. So ha- get get into it, read the room, Mm -hmm. take a deep breath and pause and just kind of like settle into where you are because it gives you a chance to make eye contact with everyone and continually make eye contact with everyone. Uh, Channel your power pose. Yes. Even if you're sitting on the phone trying to deliver a, a phone message, sitting up straight will... Maybe we should both employ this I know, as, I'm as, like, as, as we're both like hunched sitting <laughs> recording this podcast. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> Speak with your full voice. And especially if you're sitting up straight, it does help a lot because your diaphragm isn't crushed. You're so right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thing. I'm feeling so many things right now. Um, but thinking about those things in all of those scenarios, it makes you look yeah. capable, Yeah, which is really important especially (laughs) in the professional world that's what they say (laughs) at least again still figuring it out (laughs) but how much better do you feel now in when you're like delivering your video conferences and you're like in the room and and you have these things in mind because you're like i remember this is a thing i need to do how much better do you feel about what you've delivered even if it would have sounded exactly the same had you not been paying attention to your body language but because you did you're like that was awesome like Mm -hmm. i feel really good about that yeah because your body is just exuding confidence versus like I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people, like, going back to, like, actual public speaking in public, I can't tell you how many people have not, like, taken this advice to heart and where their message should be much better received but wasn't because of the way they presented it. Like, I I like a, a, a short pace, not a long pace. I like a little hand motion, not big hand gestures, and that's just my preference. But those things... As a viewer. As a viewer, yeah. <laughs> I have preferences as a viewer. But, like, all of those things are the things I'm paying attention to along with, hopefully, the message that you're talking about. <laughs> Most of the time, it is also the message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Oh, man. But yeah, so I think all of those things come into play no matter what instance you find yourself speaking to a group of people or over what like media device. Um, But also remember that listening in the situations that we've talked about is just as important as what you're saying. Oh, yes. Right? And we've talked about like active listening in past episodes, but I think it bears repeating that if you are, you know, one of the examples we shared is in a client meeting. So you're one-on-one for me, if I'm in like a donor meeting and I'm thinking about how many things I'm tucking away throughout that conversation requires me to be actively listening and not preparing my next, my next thing. Like you want to have like something ready to go. But if someone says something uh, that has nothing to do with what you've prepared, you need to be able to go on the fly and respond to that thing and not like, oh, they didn't like lead in the way I thought they were going to lead in. And now I'm like lost and and I've totally missed everything that they've said because I wasn't listening to anything at all. Like that's a situation that we've probably all been in in some way or another. So remembering that like listening and being able to be in the moment and present with that person gives you a much better chance of connecting with them and getting you to whatever next step you want to get to anyway. Even if you never get to the thing that you've prepared, you've probably made a connection with that person because you've been listening and because you've been responding and reacting to exactly what they've said. And as you get better at this kind of interaction, you'll also find a way to weave in and find like an inroad somewhere with what you are hoping to walk away with. Like where what the conversation needs to be, you will find a way to weave it in eventually mm-hmm. as you get better at this. But if your starting point is just being able to connect with that person based on what they're saying because you've been listening so well, I would call that a win because you always have an opportunity to follow up. You always have an opportunity to oh, follow 100%. up. So I think that listening becomes like just as important as whatever your body is doing. And also checking your reactions. I've definitely been guilty of like a wonky face <laughs> here and there <laughs> when things are said that I don't necessarily agree with um, or things that I agree with way too much and my face gets like really animated. That's also not necessarily the best thing because it's distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in a room where like somebody says something exciting and you're just like, ah, ah, and like your face does like all of the things. And all of a sudden, like the person is completely thrown off their message or the exact opposite where you make an ugly face and everybody knows that you now hate that person. (laughs) And that's like the body language part where people are reading into it, where it's like, did I say something wrong? Have I offended you? And you can't really figure out then the person who's doing what they're doing is totally off their track well exactly and I think as even as the speaker I have a tendency like one of the things I do is like chew on my inner lip and I like have a tendency to do that when I'm like bored or when I'm not paying attention or something like that and or if I'm just like feeling antsy you know it's like a like a tick that someone has and if I'm like giving out information and there's like a pause in the conversation where other people are talking and I start to do that for whatever reason that's really distracting and again like it makes people question my message even if they really have no bearing to question it it still is a distracting moment where they're like does this person even know what the heck they're talking about yeah and thinking back to what you said about the active listening if you're paying attention and focused then you're aware and you're not doing the like what what's the look on my face like right. how 
how how am I being perceived? Because you can see when someone's dead behind the eyes. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't tell you, like, with really long meetings, I've definitely had moments where, like, I feel myself wander and they look at me, like, cockeyed a little bit and they can see that I just went blank and came back. And it's really, and I am so aware of it now because sometimes, like, conversations are long <laughs> and they're hard and when you like you could be locked eyes with a person and you go away for a second and you're still locked eyes but they know that you are not listening to them they look at you like "Mm." and they didn't ask you a question they didn't like require a response but there's something that like shifts (laughs) or if they're like in the middle if you're in the middle of a conversation and you like get distracted by something that happens over here and you do want to like and then someone else whips their right and they're like what are they looking at like it just takes you right out of the moment unnecessarily yeah and like those are things that you can practice and fix and those are things that like if you need help with like there are ways to help with that too um like being in control of your environment like if you get distracted really easily make sure you're not meeting with someone in like a high traffic environment like I've I can't tell you how many times I've asked not to meet at specific locations because I know they're either always has people that I know I'm going to know and will need to say hello to for whatever reason, or they're just really busy and like people in and out of a place just distract me really, really quickly. I feel yeah. So it's like I have control over that. If somebody's asking me where I want to meet, I will pick a place that has like no people in it and no way for me to <laughs> the like the least popular business in town. <laughs> That's where I'm going. <laughs> Because I do, I just like, and that's the thing I know about myself. And I think that like more than anything with all of these things, you get to know how you operate as you do these things more often. But the preparing and the practicing, the body language, the leaning on your strengths, like all of those things you can start at a baseline and build up from. So know that like these are these are good things to know and have in your back pocket and lean into but you will get better at them. But like everything, they require like attention. Yeah, 100%. And I think realizing that a lot of these skills are transferable to other scenarios and finding a way to make it fit Mm -hmm. is so helpful just to be like, wait, I've done this before in this situation. How do I how did I feel confident there and translate that to where you are now? Exactly. Love it. Yeah. Shall we break? Let's break. 